people? My name is Reg West, and welcome to Wave Files. On today's podcast episode, wow, how can I describe this guy? Um, we've known each other since our pubescent days. <laughs> wow, it's, um, I'm super proud of of his growth and where what he's been able to figure out. Um, ever since we were kids, he's always found a way to find the joke in the situation. I guess that's why he makes memes for a living now. Um, folks, I, I want to introduce you to my friend. Tank Sinatra. Tank, what's up, hey, bro? What's up, Reg? How we feeling? Reggie? What's going on? <laughs> if I call you Reggie, is that going to be bad? No. And if I call you George, is that going to be bad? No. doesn't matter. <laughs> People it's... land on whatever they land on. People ask me that all the time. People say, should I call you George or Tank? Whatever you feel comfortable with, nine times out of ten, though, people wind up with Tank because it's just more fun mm. to say that. Yeah. No, nah, like, we, we've known each other since, uh, since Umbro Shorts and... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You so, know what I, what I tell people a lot to describe how I was as a kid? Uh, I moved. I didn't move, but I switched schools. I went from Christ the King to Comac Middle School in seventh grade. Right. Do you remember me wearing cross colors at all? Yes. Yeah. Because yes. I did. I did yes. a lot. I mean, I, I wore gr- I wore green jeans. Green. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I remember the green cross colors, my friend. I do. Because because I had I had I had purple ones, so I remember. But go ahead. Oh my god, the baseball jerseys! <laughs> I just yo pre pu when you talk about pubescent, you talk about like I have a fourteen year old stepdaughter right now, uh-huh. and I mean it's hard to find out who you are, man. It's even hard for an adult, but you're trying to figure it out. I mean, I was I'm gonna cross go. I somehow figure out a way to become a black person because that's what I wanted more than anything, and I'm gonna wear cross colors. And that's it. And that's going to be my life. And then it's like, obviously, you become who you are. And even if, even when you know who you are, you find out who you are in different situations. So for us to know each other for that long, I remember when you started DJing, you said you're proud of me before we started talking. I was, I mean, I was like, this guy's crushing it. Thank crushing you. it. Thank you, man. Mac Wilds, all the cool people. It wasn't Thank like, you know, Mac Wilds is not like, the biggest star but for me he was somebody who i really liked because he had a cool thing about him you know what i mean like a cool way and the other people he dj'd for you know yeah mac Mac was the last tour artist tour tour person i i worked with and he's he's the coolest out of everybody like like uh, god willing like we we can all all of us all three of us get up one day and have a have a have a powwow but he's yeah that's like my little brother now because of you can just tell yeah, like he's super duper cool, man. But but yeah, man, we we've all had our paths, you know. Like they've yeah. been, they've been a, a blessing and I guess a learning curve to a degree. But yeah, but yeah, man. Um, I and 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 you made a point about you wearing cross colors as, as a kid. I didn't look at it at as as at as at it as you trying to be black. I just looked at it as this is what's cool. You know what I mean? Like this is what's cool now. And the same way you said you're you're you have a stepdaughter that's fourteen. She's yeah. gonna do things now that are cool. You know what I mean? That are perceived yeah. to be cool. So yeah, even me growing up in Long Island, like I I grew up in Long Island at the age of nine. We I'm sorry, at the age of nine, I moved to Long Island from Queens, and I was trying to find my way. And nobody that looked like me wore wore umbro shorts, but umbro shorts was the thing <laughs> for, for for kids in Comac. So I'm like, I'm yeah, be in. Let me let me go. To the to the to the what was the what was the flea market called? The Long Island flea market. Um, the flea market. Yeah, there's just the Long, flea Island, Long Island Arena. Yeah, the Long Island Arena. Like, I, let me go get my let me go get my Umbro shorts from the from the flea market and try to fit in. 
Because that's what kids yeah, are trying to do, right? You try that's, to fit That's true. Uh, around that time, there was, you know, when you're that age, I think especially even like prepubescent, when you're like, you have no idea who you are because you can go places without your parents. Right. You can make decisions on your own. And it's like, you know, I remember when, um, when Nextel came out with those chirpy cell phones where you could yeah, chirp chirp. somebody like a walkie talkie. Yeah. And I, and as soon as I found out who had a Nextel, I chirped everyone I knew that had a Nextel. <laughs> and then I was like, I don't want to talk to these people. I'm just chirping them because I can, uh, you know what yeah. I mean? I'm just, I, you got to still want to talk to the person. So when you're that age and you start doing things just because you can, you find out certain things fit and certain things don't. But around that time, there was, I've been watching juice clips on, uh, on YouTube mm. and man, like juice boys in the hood menace to society. Juice came out first. If I remember correctly. Um, I, I don't recall the timeline, but I, but I'll, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. But no, the ledge, I mean, really had me convinced that I was somehow going to figure it out. And I'm not trying to be cute. I was just like, I read a book called black like me about a guy who went down to the South and did went through under the, underwent this transformation. I was like, I'm That's what I'm going to do. I'm a hundred percent going to do that. And then obviously you find out you can't do that. And then you wearing Umbro shorts. It's just like, life is so funny. And I'm so glad that by the time, because certain people never figure it out. Right. They just don't. And it's apparent in the way that they act, that they don't know who they are and anything that brushes up against any kind of sensitivity they may have about their insecurity as a person comes across as aggression and, a, and anger. I just had a situation with my neighbor where yeah, it was stupid. It was just a guy who's, it's a boring story, but basically there was a guy driving down my block uh -huh. and he was going very slow uh -huh. and I went around him. So uh -huh. he, when I got out of the car, he was like, sorry if I was going too slow for you. And I was like, it's all right. I was just, you know, I wasn't trying to rush you. Right. And I thought he was being sincere. And then right. he goes, you could have caused an accident. And I was like, well, the house you pulled up to has pickup trucks pulling up there every two days because the guy has a, a construction business. And I've never seen a person pull into this driveway in the two years they've lived here. So I just didn't think you were going that way. He's like, you know, it's, you shouldn't have done that. I was like, all right, bro, I'm sorry. What, you know, what do you want me to tell you? What do you, what do you want to do now? The situation's over. This, the guy's 65 years old. I'm 40. I'm 250 pounds, bald, psycho looking. Like, why are you talking to me about this? Like, just leave it alone. Yeah. This is not, I would never fight an old man over a traffic disagreement, right. but that's, it seems like that's what he was looking for. And I imagine that that guy is not sure who he is as a person. Total projection. But I imagine that any little thing that goes not his way is taken as a, a personal affront or a disrespect. It wasn't disrespect. I didn't even, you had, I didn't know what you were doing. You know what I mean? Right. But if someone did that to me, I would assume the the best in people. I right? try to, but that's because I try and do my best. No, you're right. I, but to, to be devil's advocate, I, I know some older people who just don't give a f. Like they are gonna yeah, say, yeah. They they're gonna say what they need to say because <laughs> they've lived this long and they feel like they have a right to speak this way. So it could be yeah, that he's also. He's, he's gonna teach me a lesson. Right, I'm gonna teach yeah. you a lesson, young man, about mm -hmm. what you should have done. I don't could care. It could have been. Could have been, could have been. He was looking out for me. Possible. He it's will like, become a meme though later today. Just so it's clear. Speaking of that, listen, man. I, I'm, I'm, I, like, like I said week before we started. I'm super proud of of how you've figured out how to 
become financially stable off making memes. That is a that yeah. is a amazing talent within itself. Um, I, I'm sure you you've told the story a bunch of times in previous interviews, but can you tell me in a nutshell how how and why you decided to lead to memes as as your financial source of income? Um, it's gonna be a big nutshell. Right? Oh God! Is, 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 yeah, this... nutshell. <laughs> this is me in a nutshell. No, I um, like I said, I, I I've always loved comedy in every form, every iteration of comedy. I I just I gravitate towards funny things, funny situations, funny people, funny books, funny music, funny everything. Um, and I tried stand up. I didn't love it. And one day I was on Reddit. So I used to make I made memes on Reddit. On Reddit, there used to be a website called Quick Meme where you could. Caption a picture. There was only like 10 choices, though, of pictures that you could choose from. So I used to make memes. I had a couple hit the front page. It was never a thing that I thought was going to be anything. But um, I, was search- I was digging through Reddit one day looking for funny stuff just for my own, just to occupy myself and educate yeah, yeah. myself. Yeah, yeah. And I went on Instagram, which is so annoying to me because I had an Instagram in like 2011 uh-huh. and I just didn't use it. I was big. I loved Facebook. I loved interacting with people. We know how that went. Facebook became a cesspool of the worst of people's innermost thoughts. We'll, we'll get to that too. All right, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I was I was digging on Reddit, and then I found the Fat Jewish's um, Instagram, and I saw him post something that I had just seen on Reddit. Oh, this was back. Too. Okay, okay, okay. Fat Jewish. Yeah. This is back when. There was really, I mean, everyone says now it sounds like a cop-out. It wasn't a cop-out. There was no rules back then about reposting stuff. There was, there, there's no rules now. There's no laws, but there, was, there, was, there wasn't even any norms or mores. There was no guidelines at all. It was just like, you see something posted. Who cares? It doesn't right. matter. Right. So I emailed him on a whim. I found his email in his, uh, in his bio, uh-huh. and I sent him an email, and I said, hey, I just saw you post something that I just saw on Reddit would it be okay or would it be helpful to you if I sent you a bunch of stuff that I saw that I thought was funny? Mm-hmm. And he emailed me back instantly. He's like, yes, it would be really helpful. I have this going on, that going on. Um, if you send me stuff, you know, if you see something funny, please send it to me. So I went through, I took like 10 minutes and saved like 30 memes that uh, I thought could be on his page. Uh-huh. And I sent them to him and he goes, holy shit, you could do this every day. I was like, I could do this every hour, bro. <laughs> Give me a break. So that that was how it was born. I started sending him stuff, and then I started posting memes on my own personal page. I lost a ton of followers because everyone that I grew up with or my friends' wives or whatever were like, oh, God, George is trying to be a meme guy. Right. And, uh, and, and then once I started posting memes on my page, then he started posting the memes that I would send him, but he would tag me in his caption. So I'd get a hit, 3,000 followers. Then I'd get another hit, 5,000 followers. Then I'd get, mm-hmm. you know, 1,500. But uh, if that 1,500 was Tony Hawk, David Spade, Chrissy Teigen, you know, these celebrities started following me. And then the page just started to grow and grow and grow. And then I kind of decided that I wasn't going to do any ads till I hit a million followers and I was verified because I felt like psychologically there was a difference between what people would offer financially for someone who has 500,000 followers and is not verified, which I didn't want to do an ad for 200 bucks and interrupt my followers experience for 200 bucks. I was already working full time at that time. So I didn't really need the money. But then I signed a a year long contract with a dating app 
And that was enough for me to quit my job. It was more than I was making at defense company, that one contract. And then other stuff came in that year. And then, then it just went from there. Then I started getting, you know, once you do one ad, like once you go on tour with somebody, I'm sure another artist sees you and goes, that guy's good. Does he show up on time? Is he trustworthy? Is he reliable? If he meets those criteria, the barrier for entry is really not that high in the meme world. It's just like, will you not, will you be easy to work with is what people are looking for. You know what right. I mean? That, that goes, that goes a long way. I right. found. Right. <clears throat> and then I, once I quit my job, the reason I wanted to quit my job full time, even though I had a lot of free time, I was in sales uh -huh. was because I knew that every bit of mental energy that I was spending on going on estimates, calling the people, doing the follow up, breaking down the job, going to the job, every bit of mental energy that I could spend on what I really want to do would go a long way. And it's gone a long way, a really long way. And that was, that was the beginning of it basically. Wow, dude. So to me, that honestly sounds like the stars aligned for you. Like, because, yeah, you know, even though you worked hard to get where you had to get to, everything kind of lined up perfectly because it, without, without the celebrity cosigns, you wouldn't be, yeah. you know, like, like it's numbers go up that way. That's dope. Yeah. Well, it's also like, you know, 15 years ago, if I was 55 now, right? Right. right. And this was 15, year, 15 years earlier, my pension for putting captions above photos would have been useless. <laughs> right. Useless. 20 years ago, from the beginning of time until about five years ago, this skill that I had was not marketable at all. It's, it's all about the window we're in, right? Yeah. Right. So we're in, we're in a window and, um, I'm just trying to see where it goes. I don't know where it's going to go. Every day is, you know, uh, a new challenge, a new adventure. But I kind of, I don't know. I kind of like it like that. I was always the kind of person that, and I, and I relate to people who feel this way mm -hmm. because I have been there, but I don't feel this way anymore. Uh -huh. I used to be the kind of person that I wanted to know that every hour on the hour, I was gaining $15, whether I produced or not. I just wanted to know. I wanted to have that security. security so I was, yes. will, I was willing to take less in exchange for security where, you know, a lot of people don't have the stomach to wait three months to make any money. Right. But if you do, you, you make a lot more, obviously. You just right. got to kind of have it. You got to have faith and you got to have faith not only in your industry, which I battle with, but faith in yourself, which I don't battle with. Like I know that I'm an earner and no matter what, if Instagram shut down tomorrow, I would get a new job and not miss a beat. Wouldn't be a problem. It would suck. It might be painful and sad for a little while, but I have faith in myself. Um, the platforms are a different story because the algorithm is always changing. But I know that as long as there's an opportunity, I will be one of the first people that people think about to say, "All right, yeah, that that guy's good. He'll he'll produce." The way you you handle the amount of criticism, negative and positive, on these outlets. It's got to be like so much on your shoulders, you know what I mean? Like it's it's yeah. It's like feel like you need therapy just for the comedy. That's why I work out? That's why I work out? <laughs> you know, I I have been sitting in therapy and brought up shit that people said online. I can That's imagine. That's not a joke. No, yeah, I'm yeah. In the, in the beginning, it's very tough because you have somebody who's, you know, there's millions of people that are seeing what I'm doing. And I remember having 100,000 followers and, and getting shit from people and being like, out of 100,000 people, somebody's going to be having a bad day and they're going to take it out on me. And that's just the way it is. Now with 9 million followers yeah, yeah, between yeah. all the pages, it's almost like 
it becomes once it gets too much to bear, yeah. then you can release it. Then you can surrender it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know that there's no fixing it. You can block somebody today. In five minutes, there'll be somebody else saying the same thing. And it has nothing to do with you. They're attacking their, their idea of you. And besides that, I'm a father. I'm a human being. I have all these interests, all these things that I do outside of the internet. I don't define myself by what people think of my memes. I used to, but I don't anymore. And that's, that's definitely helped a lot also you have four uh uh instagrams right now right yeah i have three main ones and then my own my personal Your page personal which i don't really i don't really yeah, count. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 so so it's it's uh it's uh tank good news it's yeah. uh the influencers in the wild and then yeah. sinatra right yeah yo <laughs> influencer in the wild page is hilarious yeah. man hilarious yeah because you always see people doing stupid shit in the street. Like they're stopping, they're stopping traffic to take a photo just to post on their personal page. Like, what are you doing? And I, yo, I'm so happy you came up with that concept, dude. This is every, every picture oh. that gets taken now is for, for social media. Every single picture. Every single one. You're right. There's not one picture that gets taken, whether it's my mom taking a picture of a plant in her house or, uh, you know, the vi the video is an interesting thing. Influencers in the wild was when I felt, okay, I know what I'm doing here. Yeah. Tank Sinatra, I, I I give a lot of credit, and I maybe too much credit to the fat Jewish because he helped me get started. Uh -huh. um, Tank's good news still didn't do it for me, even though it took off and you know it, it grew fast and it's got a, a another huge celebrity following. The engagement on that page is off the charts, but it's hard not to like good news. It's hard not to double tap when you see something good happen influencers in the wild when i started that and it hit a million in like three weeks i was like all right i guess i know what i'm doing here that was like a, a huge i don't know what the word is it was just like a piece of the puzzle that i needed filled looking for the pa last piece of the puzzle for me to be able to believe in myself right and, and not think this is all a house of cards and all a big fluke right so so let, you, you mentioned the uh well i mentioned it first but but you you doubled down on it with uh tanks good news I love yeah. that, I love that page too because like like you said, the news is not good news for the most part. It's it's all murder, it's, yeah. it, it's coronavirus all day, it's it's stress, it's fear. I mean, that's what they pump. That's that's how they that's how, that's what gets ratings. We let's pump yeah. fear. That's how yeah. we get you to watch every day at five, six, and six thirty. Um, you're addicted. You're yeah. addicted to it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, but good news is addictive too. It, I mean, that's what leads to health, right? Like you can't be, uh, healthy without the, the good stuff. Like, 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 like you're, you know, a tank over there. You can't, yeah. you can't be healthy without eating the good shit. Right. So, oh same, yeah. Same thing. Right. Listen, if, if you, I feel like everyone has the same basic neurological system and nervous system, right? Yeah. And when you see somebody get hurt, it makes your stomach hurt. If you have a, a heart at all, which mm -hmm. most people do. And I feel like there's, there's really not that much. There's, I feel like there's in life in general, there's 5% of your life that happens. That's unbelievably joyful. You get married, you have a kid. One day your kid looks at you and says, I love you. And it makes your heart smile like those good memories. And then 5% of it, maybe even less on a time scale is tragedy. You lose a loved one, you get fired from a job, you get into a car accident. The other 90% is what you make of it. And I feel like if you appreciate the little things that you take for granted, 
then your life becomes a lot more enjoyable. And that's the whole thesis for the page is like, yes, I'm not, a, 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 I don't have my head in the sand because if I had my head in the sand, I would miss the good stuff too. I'm that's not right. missing the good stuff. I'm just looking a different way, just looking, shifting my perspective. Bro, it's, it's three degrees this way. And all of a sudden you're looking at a whole new world, but people are addicted to it because like we, you know, like we said before the interview about, uh, people that are insecure and, and don't like themselves, they see in the bad news a world that reflects how they feel on the inside, and that's what makes sense to them. Where if they see good stuff, they're like, fuck that, that's fucking, that doesn't happen. Yeah. It does, it did. Look, I'm showing you it did. Literally today, this happened. But that doesn't vibe with who they are. So I'm trying to show them, or show anybody, that the world is, you know, it's, it's whatever you're looking at, you'll find. That sounds so stupid and basic, but when it when you internalize it and and make it real, it's one of the most profound things you could do for yourself. Now, are are you solely posting all this information on on all these sites yourself, or, or do you have assistance? Is it just all you? I have. So the website is um is run by a company that we're actually splitting off from. Gotcha. So I partnered up with uh, a guy named Brandon Ralph. I don't know if you remember him. Oh my God, I love Brandon. I know, I'm just kidding. Fuck <laughs> out of here, a guy I might know. Yeah, that's my fucking man right there. I love Brandon, man. Yeah. So, so Tank's Good News is undergoing. When does this come out? This uh, uh, We're going to drop this in late January, possibly early February. Okay. All right, good. So the website will probably be done by then. So the website, tanksgoodnews.com, is going to be rebranded and relaunched under Brandon's guidance, which is phenomenal. Because you know, I mean, the guy's unbelievable he's uh, i mean the website that he put together i've seen mock-ups and some some things along the way mm -hmm. the main thing about websites is that you want people to stay on the website when they get there right yes so with my old website it was good i would drive traffic to it from instagram but two things one the content on instagram wasn't engaging or dynamic it was the picture with the white square and the words like it looks like a meme yeah the content we're gonna use for Instagram is gonna look so nice and not too nice where it's like, oh God, this guy's, you know, he's lost us, he's polished too he's, much. He's putting a suit on now, right, I get you. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's not gonna be like that, it's just gonna be cool and, and fun, fun to look at. And then on the website, there's no exit point, like there's nowhere to leave. Mm -hmm. On the old website, once you clicked on it and you clicked on the story, you get to the bottom of the page, all right, X, out, done. There's nowhere to leave this website. It's amazing. Con so constant engagement, that's, that's what you need, right? Yeah, just like kind of keeping them on there for five minutes instead of a, a minute and a half makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. So he brought on this woman, Kelly, Kelly Brandt, who owns and operates Interview Magazine. And I think between the three of us, we're going to put together a really, it, I think it's just going to be brought, I know it's going to be brought to the next level of professionalism, content, quality. We're going to bring more humor into it more cool stuff rather than just good stuff because that was always the 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 goal with thanks good news was not just to be heartfelt stuff but like stuff that i just think is cool or interesting or educational or fun to watch or whatever you know mm -hmm. so that's that's coming within the next two to three months probably late january early february hopefully awesome man. it'll be done Awesome. Yeah. See, see, Exciting. I, I, I love to hear that, 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 which, that you're able to, to go, go back to our foundation, so to speak, and, 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 and get somebody that we know to, to yeah. collaborate with and that we trust. 
you know? Yeah. So that's awesome, man. Congratulations with that. And and I, I think Thank it's going to be great. Well, I, I was always enamored with Brandon's story because of, you know, you look at him and his brother and it's like, what the hell was going on in that house over right. there? Right. You got one guy who's an Oscar-nominated movie scorer and this other guy who launched every website anyone's ever visited in the last 20 years. Yes. And I don't know if you know the story, but his parents both died within like a year of each other when he was young. And I didn't find that out till pretty recently. But that to me is like, it's just so uh, inspirational kind of doesn't even do it justice. It's just like him and his brother looked at a fork in the road and they went the road less traveled and they both made it in a major way. And that inspires me. I've always looked at him with admiration just because he was able to turn a bad situation into a good thing. Let's 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 shift a, a bit. Um, we talked about this uh, before we started started recording, but I know you love music. Like, yeah, like, music is everything besides the memes, obviously. Um, um, <laughs> I just can't showing you a tattoo on my. Hold on, let's 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 get a good look at that. Yeah, the speakers, baby. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I got my mask. I'm over here with with my tape decks on my mask. Cassettes, yeah. <laughs> Remember those days, man? Of course, yeah. Yeah, I, I, to, not to age us, but yeah, when, when I started learning how to DJ, I was making my mixtapes on mixtapes. So I would still like to be able to feel that sensation of clicking a cassette into a thing and clacking it closed and then pressing play. Like I, I don't miss it in a way that I like I, not to over dramatize it but like there was something about that unwrapping the physical opening, experience yeah a brand new cassette you feel it creak because the plastic is not yet broken in and mm-hmm. you take it out mm-hmm. and then you wait for it you hear the hiss <laughs> yes yo you you have a very very visual mind with that sir that's that's a oh great, yeah that's a great way to describe it man um I can feel it um if I recall, back in the day, you were a super duper J fan, right? Like you were a big Jay Z fan. Is is that still- back? Back in the day, no, no. But so when so like when we, I've been through a lot of phases. When when we were in school, I was into like Pantera and Sepultura. Oh, and I remember B-O-T. that too. Yeah, I that too. But but I I felt like 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 you liked both sides of the sides of the of the aisle, so to speak. So then when I, so my, my, my story with Jay-Z is I was at Nassau Community College. Oh, so this is later. I'm, I'm messing up the timeline. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Bro, it's <laughs> one, six of one, half dozen. It's the same. We're 17, 19, same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Big Pimpin' came out and the beat, something about that song got me, which is why I love when he says I had to dumb down for my audience to double my dollars because he dumbed down for me and he... 10x his dollars with me because I never would have gotten into him if it wasn't for that song. Mm. Then I started listening to what he was saying, and it just, you know, between <laughs> people talk like I joke, but I really attribute a lot of my success to watching Shark Tank and listening to Jay Z. And that's no bullshit. Mm. Jay Z was the best business education. I could have possibly gotten. Are, are you are you speaking about lyrically on on songs or just like listening to him in interviews? Everything, mm. everything. Because when he talks, so his so as far as like practical advice, probably more interviews. But mindset, 
his lyrics. M- musically, yes, yes. He, Mindset he, is huge. Puts it down on paper. He definitely is one of the geniuses of of our time musically, you know, and yeah. business too. I, I, you got to give him that too. Um, yeah, I, he's I, just I, an amazing story. I, I, I segue to that because I remember when I was um, running around these these record labels, you were interning at Def Jam. Um, oh yeah. How, yeah. how how was that experience for you, and and what did you gain just by being in that environment? The biggest thing that I learned working at Def Jam was that I do not want to work in the music business. Yes. I'll let you speak. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's fine. It was it was just crazy. It was like, you know, I, I, I worked for a woman who I will not name because I don't want to throw her under, her under the bus, but she was so difficult to work for so incredibly difficult and tight and edgy and just kind of like, I don't, I don't want to say too much because she's a human being and she has whatever was happening in her life at that time or leading up to that moment. I have no idea, but she was really, really tough to work for. And, you know, I, the, the coolest thing, like I'm a huge Jay-Z fan and he was the president when I was interning there. So I, um, I had this whole speech prepared for him that I was going to deliver to him when I ran into him in the halls and you knew, you knew he was there. I used to go in on Tuesday and Thursday. You'd know he was there by his car being parked, like on the sidewalk, the Maybach. Maybach outside. I remember. Outside. So you knew he was there. Yeah. And, uh, I had this big speech prepared and one day he came around a corner and I came around a corner and I went, (laughs) said nothing. Which is which worked out because I found out later on that if you fanned him, if you became like a fanboy and started talking to him about his music, you'd get fired. Which made sense because he's not Jay Z when he's in those halls. He's Sean Carter. He's the president of the label. If you worked anywhere and and saw the president of the company and you started talking to him about how much you love their paper plates and they just blah blah blah, you'd be like, this guy's fuck. This guy's got to go. The pain in the ass. This guy's got meetings to get to. So. We had a, a, a tiny bit of interaction. The most memorable thing that happened when I was there, though, was that, you know, the, the little beef, not beef, but like the business squabble between him and LL Cool J when he was there because LL felt like he didn't put enough music, money oh, towards right, his promotion. Right, yeah. And Kingdom Come was like Budweiser commercials and halftime or whatever. Yeah. So I, I used to, you know, in, they used to make these mixes of new songs or new albums that were coming out. And they would have one track iterated 10 different times. Bass a little higher, drums a little higher, bass a little lower, drums lower, thick vocals, pitch, whatever. And you had to deliver these things for them to listen to what the best version of the song was. Yes. And I went to go drop off, I used to drop off um, CDs for Ty Ty, Jay-Z's friend, who was an A&R label there. Yeah. L.A. Reed, Karen Kwok, um, a couple of other different people, but one day I went down to go deliver a CD to Tai Tai, and Tai Tai was in another office, and I saw him in the office, and I went in there, and behind the wall was Jay-Z and LL Cool J listening to LL Cool J's new album, mm. and I was like, ah, here's the CD, guys. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. I mean, it was, it was one of those moments where it was like, this is worth all the bullshit with the bagels and the coffee and the... In, you know, the intern bullshit that you do. Yeah. And uh, and the only other moment I remember was when Kanye West 
second album was coming out and his first album was such a hit that they were doing a listening party and I had to go bring some of those CDs down there and they had one version of playing Touch the Sky, one version of Touch the Sky playing. It was playing so loud, mm. but the quality of it was so good. Like it, there was no distortion whatsoever and everybody was hugging. It was like what I consider to be probably one of the most hopeful, great moments at that record label because this major, major superstar's second album was about to come out and they wanted to see how it was going to do. Right. So there was a lot of anticipation. There was a lot of love. There was a lot of that feeling of camaraderie and success when things go right. Mm -hmm. And those are like the two moments that I remember the most. That's awesome, man. Uh, yeah, I, cool. I, I, I remember because I, I, I only asked you about that because I, I, remember, I remember you just had and still do, obviously, have, have such an, an affinity for uh for lyrics like and, and yeah and i know you i know you read often now with, with, with the books that's like obviously behind you so yeah being you know at a record label like it's it's like you're a fan like you said but i'm yeah. glad everything worked out the way it did uh, <laughs> and 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 we moved on speaking of moving yeah. on um oh wow um how did the ellen thing come about if you if you don't mind talking about that that was another uh, strong arm thing that I pulled where I just kind of weaseled my way in, you know? <laughs> okay. So everything that's happened in this part of my life, in this career has been not a, not a grind or like a, a you know, forced by nature. It was just like, nothing, nobody gives you anything that's and nobody gives you anything because they're worried if they give you something, that's going to mean they don't have the thing that they're giving you. So I totally get it. Totally understand. Even with that said, I still try and be generous with my time and, and resources and platform. I still try and help people out, but my platform is a lot different than Ellen's platform. So I, Ellen plays, plays these pranks on people, right? Yeah. So one day she posted a video of her producer that she pranked. So I clicked on his at in her caption and it said, follow back. And I was like, oh, he follows me. One of the producers from Ellen follows me. Great. Great. So I followed him back. And then I didn't, you know, I had by this time learned that you don't jump into the DMs immediately. You got to have like a thing to say. So I waited for the right opportunity. I saw Game of Games on TV and I saw him listed as an executive producer. So I wrote him a message and said, hey, I didn't realize you were an executive producer on Game of Games too. Congratulations on the, um, the success, both successes. So he wrote back instantly and I had liked a picture of him and his uh, uh, fiance at the time, but his husband now. And he said, you know, I, you know, I saw that you liked my picture. I appreciate it. Believe it or not, it's still hard to be gay in this world. Like I was like, of course, you know, whatever. Love is love. I don't give a shit who is loving whoever. So I guess the fact that I liked his picture stuck with him because when I wrote him, that was the first thing he said. And it was pretty quick that he replied. Then I said, hey, can we set up a phone call because I would like to um, talk to you about something. This was like right when Tanks Good News hit about a million followers. Mm. So he said, yeah, sure, no problem. So I called him. I said, I don't know if this is how it works. I don't even know if this is the right channel to do it. I don't have an agent. I'm not you know, wise to the ways of how this thing actually works. But I wanted to talk to you about maybe doing some kind of Tanks Good News segment on Ellen because... She does this stuff anyway, but it might be nice for like a different face to deliver the stuff that she's already delivering. You guys have been on the air for 16 years. Just a thought. So he goes, all right, you know, I'll, I'll talk to the producers about it. 
So he said, we have a meeting on Friday. I'll talk to them on Friday. So Friday, I saw, I didn't catch all of them, but I saw one of the producers followed all four of my pages. I'm sorry, all three of my pages because Influencers in the Wild wasn't around yet. He yeah. followed my personal page, Tank Sinatra, and Tank's Good News. So I click on the thing. I see producer at Ellen. I was like, oh, I guess I had to talk. This is a good sign. Then that guy called me that Tuesday. So the weekend went by. I got a phone call from 310, uh, Los hey, Angeles hey. number. I, yep. I picked it up. It was Corey. Corey talked to me. And then it was about a year and a half that went by uh, before I was actually on the show. But I had a couple of trips out there. We were working on some stuff. And, um, you know, speaking of the stars aligning, when you want something big to happen, getting on Ellen to me was big. That was like as, as big as it gets as far as, you know, television appearances for what I'm what I wanted to do. I'm not going to be in a TV show. I'm not an actor. This is like a human interest thing. So my, a good friend of mine said to me, sometimes it takes, you know, it takes a long time for God to align the stars. And I immediately thought of like spatially stars are massive and they have a long way to travel. If I wanted to get an article written in the Smithtown patch, I could do that today. Right. But that's not, the, that's not, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's like moving a bottle from here to here. That's a, right. a, a small lift. Right. So that was kind of like how I looked at it. It took a long time. And then all the stuff happened with her, with the, the employees or whatever. And the, and I kind of treated, I had a great experience there. Mm -hmm. I kind of, when I talk about that situation with people, I tell them the Jay-Z story. Mm -hmm. Like Ellen DeGeneres runs a multi hundred million dollar operation. She's got hundreds of people that work for her. Mm -hmm. She doesn't have time for you to tell her that you think she's nice. She knows she's nice. And sometimes when you tell somebody they're nice and they don't respond in a nice way, it's like, wait a second. I thought you were supposed to be. No, she's still a human being. She had a very, very, very difficult life. If you ever watched our David Letterman interview, she was molested for three years when she was a teenager. Then she had some success. Then she came out as gay. Then they fucking abolished her from Hollywood. Right. Then she came back. Then being gay was cool, but then she wasn't gay enough because she had Kevin Hart on. It's like, uh, fuck all of you. Like, I, I don't know how she puts up with it. The fact that she hasn't murdered somebody is a win for me, you know? So let her be a human being. Right. And then when she came back and she said that the whole be kind thing was not me preaching to you. I started saying that because a young gay man was bullied to the point where he committed suicide. So I said that for that specific situation, not be nice to everybody always and be perfect. Just don't be so mean to somebody that they might consider killing themselves. Right. That was where it started from. And I was like, all right, that makes sense. You know, mm -hmm. but it's been a, it's been a, a wild ride to say the least <laughs> um shif shifting gears a little bit more like we, we, we talked about you know the memes and memes are the, are the reason you've, you've gotten to ellen but instagram won't be around forever I, I know you wrote a book uh last year um called happy is a new rich is there more yes. books in the future is there movies talk to me uh there's a, a documentary coming out really soon called okay. meme gods yeah meme gods is Hopefully they're, they're like tweaking the last final bits of it. That's been going on for like three or four years mm. where basically, you know, getting on Ellen was also very integral to that project too, because meme gods is essentially, nobody knows where memes come from, right? People right. don't realize that these jokes that you're seeing are based on somebody's experience in life. And therefore when you take that from somebody, 
you're taking their experience and saying, this is mine, right. you know? So we wanted to show people that there's actually a very small, almost comically small group of people that make the majority of memes on the internet. Mm -hmm. And who are they? What are their motivations? Pull back the curtain a little bit and let you see who these people are. So I was, because of all the stuff that I had going on, a main, one of the main storylines anyway. But then when I was on Ellen, um, I was actually out in California in Malibu with my family. It was a sunset. The tide was low. The beach was beautiful. It was like one of those moments where you just like, if this is, if this is it, this is heaven to me. You know what right. I mean? Right. I will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Like yeah. this is it. I'm good. And I realized that the movie was now about a guy who quit his job selling fence to make memes full time and then wound up on the Ellen show. You know, which is a much more gripping story than, well, here are the people that make these things you like. That'll be a supporting part of it. Mm -hmm. But that was when I realized, like, wow, this movie's going to be a big deal, you know? So so I'm, I'm assuming this, this is going to be pitched to, to streaming fat platforms, or are we trying to go straight to the theaters once the theaters are open again? <laughs> I don't know. Man. <laughs> I think it's probably because of the nature of what it is we want it to be streaming. But we got, you know, so what happened was we started, so we came out with an app called Momus, which is a meme making app, right? Really? Okay. I'm yeah. For, for, uh, we don't talk about it anymore because it didn't really work, but it's fine. I still use it every single day. Uh -huh. So we filmed some footage of me talking about memes for the app. This was like for the promotional stuff. Mm -hmm. So while they were watching the footage, the guy, Adam Padilla, who's Adam, the creator on Instagram was like, this is pretty interesting. Like I would watch this this guy talking about memes who's interested in memes so they were like maybe we do something bigger maybe we shoot a documentary then we shot a bunch of people in new york then we shot more people in new york then we got uh adam olson who's a marketing you know uh, uh advertising guy entrepreneur yeah, yeah. brought in Ced cedric the entertainer to be an executive producer i got you know some of the celebrities that i know that follow me to be in the movie then cedric brought in Shaq, 50 cent um, you know, people that like we would not have been able to secure otherwise. Sure. So then it became like a big hodgepodge of not only memers with all different types of people. You have, you know, me, who's like the quintessential American straight white male. And then you have a woman whose page is, uh, what is her name? Oh, it's going to drive me crazy. But she basically says, my page is dad jokes if your dad was a black lesbian right so you have like the whole gamut of personalities and people but then same thing with the celebrities we have mila jovovich neil brennan 50 cent Shaq, uh mario lopez just like we're trying to make it as fun as possible mm -hmm. but still make it gripping and entertaining and i haven't seen the movie since they started working on it and i cannot wait to see it it's gonna be cool it's gonna be like different in instagram type features with like text bubbles and, you know, on-screen visuals and stuff like that. It should be good. Hoping it's good. If it's not good, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's going to be good. Let's, let's just say that it's going to be good. Um, there. um I, I, I know we're short on time, but I, I want to touch on a couple more topics before, before we get out of here. Um, sure. Um, with making memes and I know you make them at, at, at rapid pace, maybe like three or four a day. Do you sometimes feel like, Ooh, I've stepped a little too hard over the edge on that joke or, 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 
maybe something laid a little flat? Do you keep it up? Do you take it down? Uh, what's your what's your mindset on 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 certain things like that? Um, I have stepped over the edge, but so if it lay if it lays flat, I just feel like all right, that was not as it's like if you were doing stand up comedy and you said a joke and nobody laughed. And you did it again and nobody laughed and you did it again and nobody laughed. That's not a funny joke. That's not them being stupid. That's you thinking something's funny. That's not right. with, with the stuff that is um, considered over the line. Like I've made a few questionable memes in my day, but my defense is always that people want to try and connect the dots between humor and hate. And I just absolutely refuse that. I deny it. I say that is not, possible you cannot make fun of something and hate it i've never met a racist person or a homophobic person or an islamophobic person who made fun of those groups in a way that was funny at all mm. hate is not funny funny is funny and sometimes funny can be hurtful which i've learned over the years like maybe just because i just because something's funny doesn't mean that it needs to be posted right but there's only like there's only like two memes that I've made that I feel like I wish I didn't make, uh -huh. you know, but uh -huh. they were learning experiences and they were based on, you know, like one meme that I made where um, in 2D, <laughs> there's so much room for interpretation, sure. right? And this is one that somebody called me homophobic and I was like, I'm not homophobic. I don't know what you want me to tell you. Like, I don't hate anybody for any reason. Mm -hmm. I don't even hate people who do bad shit. I feel like if you do bad shit, there's a reason you're doing that and it probably has to do with your upbringing and their upbringing has to do with their upbringing. I'm not looking to go back seven, eight generations to find the cause of your shitty behavior. Just not interested in it. Just try and do better tomorrow. That's it. Mm -hmm. So I, I found a picture of, <laughs> oh, oh, so someone was calling me homophobic. I said, I'm not. They said, oh really, then what's this? And they pulled up this image of a lightning bolt striking a rainbow, right? So it was like a cool image oh, of a lightning bolt okay, okay. striking a rainbow. And here's how I wrote it. This is proof God hates gay people. Uh, but the way that it's read is, this is proof God hates gay people. Yeah. And it was meant to lampoon hardcore evangelical. It was meant to actually lampoon homophobic Christians. Mm. But it came across like I was the one that was like putting this out there. And that's one where I was like, he sent it to me. He's like, oh, then what's this? And he sent it to me. And I was like, oh, my God, that is bad. I don't remember making it, right. but I remember it now. Right. Right. Yeah, there's 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 a, a few, but I haven't made any. Now I'm not cautious to the point of like whitewashing the humor where it's like nobody can get offended at all. Because I still have people that write me about stuff where it's like, you know, my my aunt was killed in a jello accident. Take this down. This is not funny. I get like, that. I get that. I get that. <laughs> I, I I I asked that question because I remember years ago there was a you made a meme and I remember you getting roasted for it too. Um, it was something with a black kid in a pool, and oh um, yeah, it was something like uh 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 haters will say this is photoshopped, and yeah. I remember you getting roasted. But I, also so what remember, but I also remember it being a learning lesson for you because, like, this is something that you had no knowledge of. You know what I mean? Like, like you were yeah. you were ignorant of the situation. So I was like, so when right. you when you saw that years ago, what did you think of that? I was like, uh, this isn't going to land good. 
Like, okay. So like, even back then you were like, this is, this joke sucks. Yeah. Like, like this isn't going to land good. Like, but I knew you. So like, so yeah. like, like I knew the George I, I know, you know, not Ted, yeah. George, I know will sometimes make a joke that it might not land well, but he doesn't mean any harm in it. So, yeah. so when I saw that, I was like, all right, he's going to learn. Damn, from George. This. <laughs> he's going to learn from this. He's going to learn from this right now. You know? <laughs> so, so that, so the story behind that one is back then these like quote unquote hood meme pages yeah. were bigger. They were like no chill and, um, Insta comedy were all, you know, they were the biggest ones. So I was making memes trying to get reposted by them. Then when I posted that meme, I mean, I got a whole history lesson about Robert Moses and overpasses and systemic oppression of black people getting to pools and beaches and not having swimming, uh, you know, uh, swimming, like anywhere to swim in their neighborhoods. And I had, no, I mean, I had no idea. Needless to say, I felt horrible once I learned about all that, but it's kind of like, so I'm 40 now. That happened when I was 35. You would think somebody 35 years old should know about it, but if they don't, that falls under the banner of ignorance, which I've learned over the past couple of years, especially ignorance is not a bad thing. It's a state of being. Willful ignorance is bad. Mm -hmm. Ignorance just means without knowledge. The difference is, what do you do once you have that knowledge? Do you keep making the same jokes? Do you keep making the same mistakes? Right. I haven't, but I don't beat myself up about being ignorant. I try and take in new information, which certain people see as a, a weakness, which is crazy to me. Right. People will, you know, what's going on right now with the news and the media and how people think that Fox is now too liberal, so they're going to Newsmax, but the second Newsmax changes its tune, that'll be too liberal. Mm -hmm. I change my opinion based on the information I get, whereas certain people change the information they get to fit their opinion, right. which is like bananas to bananas. me. Bananas. Crazy. Because like, because you mentioned Robert Moses. So for, for people outside of the New York area, like, yeah. if, if you grew up in New York City or primarily Far Rockaway or Queens, to get to Long Island, to get to the beaches, you have, in the 60s and 70s, I believe more so than anything, you had to drive. And the buses from that community couldn't fit under the under the underpass to get out. And he made them that way on purpose. He made it. He made them that way on purpose. Drop yeah. them made the infrastructure in Long Island, and he wasn't. He didn't want y'all out there. So that's what. So we, it's, it's right, right. Yeah, right? We, we can go way deeper on, on on systemic racism in Long Island. That that's a different. That's a different whole different conversation for, for yeah for a different day. But um, yeah, um, to your point about. Uh, people wanting to change the information outlet to fit their mindset. I knew at a point during the last presidential election, you made some of your pages private because you were getting yeah. berated just for making um, moral st statements. They weren't political. They were moral, yeah. you know, yeah. and people were, I guess, feeling away about what yeah. you were saying. Um, Everybody's feeling away right now. <laughs> can 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 you can you dive in a little bit more about why you decided to make your your pages private um, and how you're able to stay mentally sane just being such a public thick figure with a lack of better words target on your back when you make a meme? Yeah. Um, well, there was a, there was a lot of stuff happening on all of my pages for a while because of what was going on with the um, you know the the civil rights movement in 
the summer and it was at a fever pitch like May, end of May, June, beginning of June was when it was like really hectic. I was on Tanks Good News, I made private, which I almost never do because I feel like Tanks Good News is more of like a public service than a, a playground like Tanks Sinatra. Uh-huh. Tanks Sinatra, when you make it, when I make it private, that means if someone goes to unfollow me, they have a buffer between the actual unfollow and the unfollow. Because mm-hmm. when you go to unfollow someone who's private, it says, you're going to have to request this person again. Are you sure you want to unfollow? So that's just like giving somebody a second to think about it. The Tanks Good News thing was, listen, there was these crazy um, interactions between the police and the protesters, right? Mm-hmm. And on Tanks Good News, I was posting videos of police and protesters cooperating. And certain people didn't like that because they felt like the police were only cooperating as a photo op. And then they were turning around an hour later and pepper spraying the people. And I didn't get into it with anybody because I know that emotions were so high that I was not going to be able to talk sense into anybody or what I think makes sense. But A, if you want to see police beat the shit out of people, you know where to find it. You know where to go. Go to CNN, go to Fox, go literally anywhere else but here. Mm -hmm. This moment is on video. It really happened. I don't believe it was a photo op because like there, there was one video that I posted of a, a police officer talking to a group of protesters and he's like, listen, we've been here with you for eight hours. We know who you are. The guys coming on right now, they don't know who you are. So if some, something's going on with people breaking windows or, or something gets a little violent, distance yourself from them because you'll be able to, they'll be able to differentiate. Here are the peaceful protesters. Here are the rioters. When somebody takes a knee and takes a picture with a group of protesters, and then an hour later is pepper spraying them, what I think is like, a lot can happen in an hour. You could have a total shift change. You could have uh, something get crazy. But I just felt like I couldn't please anybody. People that were, you know, thin blue line people were like, you're fucking, you know, you're a liberal uh, Marxist communist. And the people who were on the, on the left were like, you're a Nazi shilling for Trump trying to make cops look good. I'm not trying to make any one side look good. I'm trying to show you that sometimes there is cooperation between two opposing sides. And that's what I wanted to talk about was the moments of peace, not in the protests themselves, isolated from the police, but the moments of the police and the protesters working together because the fact that that was a crazy thing because the fact that people were protesting police brutality and the police responded by being brutal was like, you guys, what are you doing? What are you doing? They're protesting the thing you're doing right now. Mm-hmm. But that's a lot of thinking for people. And thinking is not high on people's list of priorities these days. To think, okay, we have a group of people. You know, because in a moment when there's, when tensions are high, you know, you've been in situations, I've been in situations where my adrenaline's going, so my brain is not working that well. So, how do you calm that down? And I believe you calm that down by doing what I highlighted, which is where police and protesters working together. But that can, I mean, it was such a crazy situation that could all fall apart in a second. And um, ultimately, the police need to be held responsible because that's the profession they chose. These protesters are not professional protesters. They don't know what they're doing. They're, they're people who think that a system is broken and they want it to be changed in a way that benefits the most people, not just them, not just those people. Like my wife and I watched the 13th. I watched it separately years ago when it first came out, but we watched it together 
And I was, I mean, we were sitting there watching it. I was brought to tears about three quarters of the way through when something clicked. And I was like, you know, my therapist told me totally unrelated. I was dating a girl who told me she didn't want anything serious. Right. Uh (laughs) I was like, you just don't know what you're going to get with me. Of course, you you know, you do, you do. You don't know what you want. I know what you want. We'll do it. We'll do it. Eventually we broke up and he said to me, well, maybe she wasn't ready for anything serious. And I was like, yeah, she has been saying that for a long time. And he goes, how long? I said, well, since you started dating and his jaw dropped, he was like, she's been telling you what she wants and you've just been disregarding it for a year. So the connection that I'm going to make is that we were watching, you know, this video was black and white. So it's at least 50 years old. Mm -hmm. And I was brought to tears. I was like, these people have been saying the same thing for 50 years. Like it's time to listen. It's time to listen to what they're saying. And that was it. That was like, you know, we, we watched that movie and I've always been, you know, I'm just not a hateful person. I, I live in the gray area. I like the gray area because I get to figure out how I actually feel about something. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was forced to do that. I don't do drugs. I don't drink. If something doesn't feel right in my gut, I don't have the ability to escape it. So if I feel off about something, I have to address it and figure it out. Certain people don't have that gift or curse. It's a curse sometimes because it's painful. But ultimately, you know, people make a decision. And like we said, they, you know, they, 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 they fit the information to their opinion, not the other way around. Right. So I don't imagine a lot of people who are racist people would even watch the 13th to start with. Second off, I don't think they'd have that same realization where, they realize, wow, they've been saying this for a long time. Maybe they mean it. You know, maybe it's time to listen. Maybe, maybe they're not. Maybe they're not exaggerating. Mm-hmm. Give me a break. You know. Oh, on on that note, brother, <laughs> we I, were supposed to keep it light. You're supposed to, but so so let me let, let me let me close with with a light note. So so yeah. this morning, I'm like, let me go back and and find our yearbook and and see what George told me. Um, when, when it was time to go. Oh boy. I wrote in your yearbook. You wrote my yearbook. So let me, let me read what what you said to me. You said, dear Reggie, it was cool meeting you so long ago in CMS. We've never had problems, which is why (laughs) I is, which is why I have such a lot of respect for you. Never an argument, never disagreement, nothing. Anyway, keep in touch. It's been good. Peace, man. That's what I wrote. That's what you wrote. Yeah. Well, that was very important to me because I had weird problems with random people for no reason. I I, 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 I vaguely remember those vaguely, but but I at the time I didn't really understand what you what you wrote. Yeah. Because for me, I'm like I'm cool with everybody. Well, at least I'm cool yeah. with everybody that's cool with me. You know, that's that's just pretty much how I how I rolled. So I didn't understand what you wrote at the time, but as I got older. Yeah. I, I really, it really sunk in, you know, yeah. it really sunk in. So, yeah, I just, you know what, you were such a, an easy to get along with guy. And I think that you are underestimating yourself. You're not cool with everyone who's cool with you. You're cool with everyone, probably regardless. You, you allow for more than I allowed for when we were younger. I, I was cool with everyone who was cool with me. But the second someone wasn't totally cool with me, it was like, we're enemies now, mortal enemies, and we need to have beef. Like, that's where, that's how I try and be now. I try and be, you know, like Jay-Z said, I don't even hate on those who hate on me. I got talk on, 
Like I try and let people be who they are and not take it personally and not engage in a conflict just because something was said in a, in a wrong tone. Like it's okay, man. I don't hate you. You hate me. That's fine. I feel sorry that you feel that way because I know what it feels like to hate somebody, but I'm not going to hate you back. Cause I have to live with that. Like yeah. you just seem to have that naturally, you know? Yeah. Just the, the energy. I'm not going to let, I'm not going to let your energy affect my day. That's, that's yeah. how I, that's why I try to move. Like, yeah. because I have X, Y, Z to do. And if I give you some of my energy, it's going to throw off the rest of my day. So yeah. that, that's what, that's what I've realized, you know, who I am. And I appreciate yeah. you for even taking some time to, to be with me today, man. It's, it's been fun. Um, I think next time we, we get together, I, I, I want to know about you riding in an RV across the country. Cause that, that's <laughs> <on> the <point. laughs> I'll tell you about that. I just had to get out of the house, man. We'll, we'll, we'll do another, we'll, we'll do this once a week. It was nice talking to you, whether you post it or not. We'll, we'll stay caught up because I really did. Uh, I really did. I really do like you and respect you. I think you're a good person. So, I appreciate you, man. I, I respect you too, me. bro. Thank you, man. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Tank Sinatra. You can find him on his multiple pages where he's memeing. Uh, call him Meme God. Just call him Meme yeah. God. All right. My man, Tank Sinatra. We out of here. Wave files. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>